0: John, another fascinating uh, discussion uh, on Behind the Bars here, this time with Mike Kennedy from Vance and Hines. You know, getting a motorcycle to perform is all about getting it to breathe better. And these guys really have got that down.
1: Yeah, it was a exciting conversation with Mike and something I look forward to. He, we talked about a lot of different things, but I loved his um, discussion on the right to repair laws, yeah. um, and that was certainly something he did not avoid and uh, was very open to that discussion. So I appreciate that um, that he uh, offered some insight on that.
0: Yeah, that was a hardball question on your part.
1: Uh, I wouldn't call it a hardball question, Mark. <laughs> Welcome to the Behind the Bars Podcast, where we discuss all things motorcycles, memories, and mayhem. Oh, this is awesome. Sponsored by Wilkins Harley-Davidson. Let's get this thing started. Here's John and Mark. Okay, on the line with us today is Mike Kennedy, president of Vance and Hines. Welcome, Mike. How are you?
2: Hey, John and Mark. I'm doing really good this morning.
1: We really appreciate your time. Um, we are recording this podcast early morning in California, but we know Mike is an early riser and uh, already at the office in Vance and Hines. And uh, Mike, um, we just want to, you know, value your time. And uh, we just, from our perspective, we're grateful that you could carve out some time for us. We know how busy you have been. Um, it's obvious. It seems like Vance and Hines is in the news on a regular basis. Before we get into some of those topics, Mike, walk us through. You know, how did you land? How did you get to be president of Vanson and Hines? And sort of, what are the experiences
2: um, that led you to that to that role? Oh, sure. Um, and, and by the way, thank you guys. I appreciate the opportunity to, to join your podcast. It's uh, I've listened to several of your past episodes and and uh, hope I don't disappoint. Um, but I, I had John, as you know, but many many people don't know. I spent twenty eight years at. At Harley Davidson and um, left Harley in uh, late 17. Got contacted by a uh, private equity company about coming in and, and uh, turning around Vance and Hines. And uh, at first, I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to do that, maybe, maybe get out of the motorcycle business. But long story short, I absolutely love motorcycle riding and I love the motorcycle business. So here I am, having a, having a ball, having fun, learning a lot. It's been an incredible uh, challenge, and it's pushed me to new levels of leadership and management and business in general. Uh, but I'm having a really lot of fun. My my dad owned his own manufacturing company, so I've always been around manufacturing. And Vance you know, Hines at the heart of the company. We're we're a manufacturing and product development company. That's what we do. I mean, we're all we're all about racing and performance and and as you said, 2022 has been a full, a full court press year, uh, with a ton of new product uh, introductions and new segments and new categories and all kinds of good stuff. But um, yeah, it's 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 fun. I love it. I love manufacturing in general, and I love the motorcycle business. So this is just a great opportunity.
1: Mike, do you think that you're you're you know growing up with a with a father that was a manufacturer it, has that aided you, and how so?
2: Yeah, there's no, there's no question. I listen. I have, I am a blessed human being. I had a hardworking mom and dad who, who, you know, loved their their family and their kids, and and were great examples. I I call my parents, you know, just about every week and tell them how thankful I am for them. But um, I I think my my dad, my dad, being an entrepreneur, had a ton of influence on me. Still does today. I think I've always appreciated um, small business owners. And the challenges that it takes to successfully run a smaller business. Um, I think that's why I think that's why I always connected with Harley dealers at my time with Harley. I just always appreciated, you know, the commitment, the hard work, the risk, the investment, you know, everything that it takes to 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 make a small business succeed over over, over time. Because I saw my dad do that and what it took, right? And so I just always appreciated that. Um, and then, and then he, he was in the manufacturing business, so I just always have a, a soft spot, a spot in my heart relative to making stuff. And, and in particular today, right, I think it's it's harder. To, you know, a lot of great brands have exited U.S. manufacturing, and and I'm proud to say that Advanced Hines manufactures. You know, we're incredibly vertically integrated, and we manufacture all our products right here in Santa Fe Springs, California.
1: You you um, you've had a bunch of different roles at Harley Davidson Motor Company prior to this. And and it seems from an outsider's perspective that every area that you touched grew. Uh, What do you attribute that to, Mike? What what, what would you say? You know, how did you grow parts and accessories so, um, so well when you were at Harley Davidson?
2: Well, I think, you know, first off, uh, you know, I was at Harley at a really, really good time. And um, so, you know, my time in Parks and Accessories was, was a lot of fun because it was a explosive business. We in, And, you know, we were expanding the product line. We had a great team. We had enthusiastic dealers who were, you know, anxious to get more serious about the customization business. Um, and new bike sales were growing like crazy, right? So when new bike sales are growing, you know, your p business better be growing along with it. And we were expanding categories at the same time. So it was a lot of nice things that aligned. Uh, and I learned a lot about product development during those six years and how to, how to build a supply chain, how to take an idea on a whiteboard and, you know, bring it through CAD, bring it through prototype, have a supply chain that can support it and, and get it into manufacturing successfully and then train dealers and, and parts people to, be educated and, and aware and informed on how to sell a product. So, yeah, those six years in P- and parts and accessories at Harley-Davidson for Mike Kennedy were were a, a really uh, influential time for me. And 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 you know, obviously, now being at Vance Heinz, it's a really tight correlation to the business we're in today. We make air intakes, tuning products, and exhaust products, uh, motorcycles primarily. But now we're into side-by-sides, and more recently. We just announced entrance in the pickup truck. so right. it, it all it all kind of comes back around, uh, you know, SKUs and parts and and uh, delivering an exhilaration for the rider.
1: Why it seems as though uh, they exhaust the exhaust the the market into power sports, you know, side by sides and pickup trucks. Um, that, that, that was a no brainer, right? Why, why did someone not do that before? I mean, you are perfectly positioned to enter into that market. Um, what was holding Vance and Heinz back or was it the idea or the execution? What, tell me a little bit about that.
2: Did you mean uh, power sports in particular,
1: John? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, now we're yeah. seeing, you know, Vance and Hines get into, you know, the side by side, the the exhaust systems with with uh, uh, side by sides, but uh, you know, pickup trucks and whatnot. It doesn't seem as if there was a, uh, you know, a dominant, um, well named company that was in that market. So, you know, now that Vance and Hines is in it, it's sort of like I, you're hearing people out there why didn't they do this before? It it seems as if it's a no brainer. So what was the, what, what held you, you know, what held Vance and Heinz back? Um, You've only been there for, you know, short years coming on for short years, I should say. So what, what, what about that? Like what, what held this thing back?
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, I can't, I'm always careful about talking about, you know, companies and teams prior to my existence there. So, you know, all I can tell you is the company was, was had their hands full with you know the challenges that they were dealing with you know and, and when I got here in 2019, actually before I before I joined the company, my my assessment was you know again because I spent a lot of time in the motorcycle business and I know I know a thing or two about the Harley business. I don't know everything, but I've, I've learned a lot about it over the years. And um, you know Harley continues to struggle to grow new bike sales. So I was pretty convinced that we need to have needed to have a pretty good diversification plan in place. Uh And for me, side-by-sides was a natural and and pickup trucks, we can talk about pickup trucks in a minute, but trucks um, was a dream of mine. Um, But we couldn't serve our motorcycle customers adequately back in 2018 and 19, John. And so when I got to the company initially, even though that was was sort of like my idea and, and the strategy that I thought was gonna be really good for the company, I needed to focus our team on just servicing the motorcycle uh, community and and being reliable as a supplier to dealers and distributors and 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 refresh our product line as well. So we got to work right away, did a lot of work in terms of manufacturing investment and increasing our throughput and being more reliable. And happy to say now that our availability through our distribution partners, you know, typically hovers in the high ninety percent uh, range. On any given month, uh, and we're always striving to do better, and, and there's always opportunities to do better. But we're in a really, really good place. Have been now for you know eighteen months or so. So the timing for side by sides, and then now pickup trucks, uh, I thought was appropriate.
0: Hmm. Mike, um, so our listeners can get a little bit more in perspective. Tell us about the history of the origin of Vance and Hines. I mean, was there a Vance and a Hines? Were tell us a little about the history of, of the company.
2: Yeah. It's, thanks, Mark. It's a it's a great brand. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Terry Terry Vance, Byron Hines, two young uh, guys got into drag racing back in the 70s. And, you know, no matter, you know, Terry always wanted to go faster and Byron could always make him go faster. You know, Byron is an absolute mechanical genius. If you do some research on some of the motorcycles that he's built uh, over the years, I mean, twin engines, uh, the Harley Pro Stock program from scratch, uh, he's, he's a, he's a, he's just a complete genius. Um, and so, you know, they started racing in Southern California, early days, pretty soon some competitors said, Hey, would you sell us some parts so we can go fast? And they looked at each other and said, wow, maybe we got something here, you know? And so they incorporated in, I think it was October of 1979. And, you know, like they say, the rest is history, but it's a fascinating company because, the brand has always been involved in racing from day one. It's how it got started. And a lot of, I think a lot of brands say that, but I mean, and, and I like to say that we're still doing the same thing Terry and Byron were doing back in 1979. We go racing every weekend. We go, we go flat track racing. We go drag racing. We go King of the bagger racing. We support racers in side-by-side racing, uh, supercross motocross, uh, superbike. Uh, we even have some, some services into NASCAR. Um, our Racing Development uh, Center, which is where Andrew Hines works in, in Brownsburg, Indiana, is an incredibly technically competent uh, center that, that uh, one of the things that I've been trying to drive since I've been at the company is trying to bring the RDC, the Racing Development Center, and the commercial operations in California closer as one team and really leverage that technical competence to deliver better products for the riders, um, we've had some great successes in that area, and we, and we continue to do to do better in that area. But you know, company's always been involved racing. Ran factory racing for Yamaha, Ducati, Suzuki. Uh, of course, you guys probably know uh, ran the uh, the Harley Pro Stock program in NHRA for 21 years, uh, won over 100 uh, events and six or seven season championships, I think. So, and Terry and Byron are still involved in the business. I mean, they're still involved in the racing side of the business. They don't own the company anymore. They, 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 uh, they sold the company to private equity you know, some time ago. But uh, we keep them involved because they're really great guys. They're fun to be around, and they are incredibly smart.
0: Mike, as, as you develop these parts that help racing motorcycles breathe better, go faster, do you consider at that point what sort of alterations or modifications will be necessary for the mainstream market for the r- regular rider? I'm imagining that your racing parts are a little different than what we're seeing on your everyday street glide. How does that work? What sort of compromises happen in that process?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, Mark. But yeah, no question about it. I mean, the race involvement center is involved in some pretty high tech, um, you know, pro level racing. Right. Um, but we, we learn every day, and those guys are able to filter those learnings down into, you know, real live products that, you know, a guy like me who loves to throw his leg over a, uh, a bagger and, and go for a ride, especially here in Southern California. It's one of the great things about living here is I ride pretty much every day of the year. Um, I commute every day at, uh, to work on a bike because um, the weather is just so insane out here. But uh, taking those learnings from the racetrack at the highest level and then bring in, you know, commercial viable products. I'm proud to say that we are, we're one of the, maybe the only company that has a 49 state emissions compliant Stage One product offering. Our FP4 tuner is uh, is compliant. Uh, all of our air intakes for Harleys are compliant, and our new exhaust line, which features a PCX technology, is also emissions compliant. So now a Harley rider can can take all those learnings from 1979. And build out a stage one kit uh, with a tuner and an air intake and an exhaust system, whether you want to go slip-ons or a full system, and still be emissions compliant and not void their warranty. So, I mean, it, it's, it, it's always a balance in racing at the highest levels and what it takes to do that. Um, and then how do, you, how do you bring those learnings down into, into real products that, you know, Harley-Davidson dealers want to sell to their riders every day?
1: Mike, talking about racing and making things go faster, uh, you know. I know you're you're uh, probably tight-lipped about future products, but have you uh, have you sat down at your whiteboard uh, and discussed
2: EV? We have. Um, we, we certainly have, and I don't have any great answers for you. By the way, uh, you know, all all I know is that in a in a total EV, you know, I'm really good at stating the obvious, John. <laughs> Uh, beyond that, I need a lot of help to to get through life. But you know, in a in a future EV world, a company like Vance and Hines obviously um, going to be incredibly challenged, right? There's 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 no exhaust system on an EV platform. There's there's no air intake, uh, and and if there's any kind of tuning mechanism, it's going to be completely different. Um, but I still I'm still convinced. So I don't so I don't have any answers uh, for that. Although I'm pretty convinced it's a long it's a long time in the future when we're in a complete EV world, if ever. Uh, but we need to worry about it. And so, you know, we bought a live wire here a while ago, and our engineers are have been crawling all over that and learning. Um, and, I, and I think in the aftermarket space, one of the things that I've concluded is it's hard, it's hard for a company like Vance and Hines that – to, to to kind of get inspired, bef- until until the OEM delivers a platform that the masses are inspired around, uh-huh. and you know we we haven't and we haven't seen that two wheel EV platform come out yet that 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 tells us all that we want to throw a leg over it and ride the Sturgis on it. Um, I mean there's some there's some there's some nice. EV commuter bikes out there, but there's nothing out there yet that's really shaking the world. So I think it's hard for a company like Vance and Hines to think about how we play in that world before the OE platform is here. But there's, but we're spending time on it. Don't, don't get me wrong, we're spending time thinking about it. We're, we're studying the the motorcycles that are in the marketplace today, and clearly, many more are coming our way. If you know, you pay attention to the the big, you know, the big four or five two-wheel motorcycle manufacturers around the globe they're investing significantly in evs so it's it's definitely coming
1: you you spoke a a couple minutes ago mike about um you know 50 state compliance um you know voiding the warranty you recently you know made some waves uh with with a statement and i think correct me if i'm wrong but you may be the only aftermarket company that that uh, ventured into making a statement about the right to repair laws and some of the FTC um, complaints um, against Harley Davidson. Talk to us about what what made Vance and Hines get into the to make a statement, and um, you know, open open the door to that a little bit behind the scenes.
2: Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Um, thanks, Sean. Um, yeah, there, there's there's kind of two aspects around around that FTC work, right? There's the one around what you, you call it appropriately, the right to repair, right? Which gets into the whole space of when I want to repair my motorcycle or, or other product, do I need to take it to an authorized dealer or can I take it to any, any repair center to get it uh, worked on? The comment that I made in the press was not about that. It was about the other aspect of the FTC charge that said that Harley overreached in their warranty language when they, when they said or that they were charged around saying that, hey, if you use an aftermarket product, you automatically get your uh, warranty voided. And my comment was around that aspect of it. And so, yeah, my my aspect is, or my my comment around that aspect was around um, how good I think it is that um, Harley decided to change their warranty language that no longer says, hey, if you make this change, you automatically void your warranty, but says, you know, we have a right to review what impact the part has. And obviously if that aftermarket part impacts the bike's performance Harley should not be on the hook to repair the bike under sure. under warranty, right? Clearly, yep. in, my, in my opinion. So that, that was my statement. My statement was around uh, rejoicing uh, for that slight modification in the Harley language, uh, warranty language, because I think it's good for the rider. I think it's good for Harley-Davidson dealers. I think it's good for the aftermarket. I think it's good for everybody because at the end of the day, riders want to customize their Harley, want to make it look better they want to make it sound better they want to make it go better and there's a lot of great products out there that can help with that and they don't impact the performance of the bike
1: looking back on that do you think that that was the did the statement um did it help vance and hines do you think it, it it increased sales um did it you know what's your perspective would you because i you know reading the forums and reading the comments there's a lot of a lot of feedback on, on a lot of different angles. I'm just curious from your perspective as president, um, you know, we always kind of, I think you're a a very um, thoughtful person. Would you, do you stick by those statements? You know, what are your thoughts on sales? Did it, did it impact sales at all?
2: Yeah. I mean, I would, I I haven't read all the comments, John. um, But, um, hearing you say that, maybe, I, maybe I should uh, <laughs> dig in and read some of the comments, but I, I mean, I stand, I stand by the statement cause I think, well, like I just explained to you and Mark, I think, you know, again, again, there's two aspects, right? There's the right to repair and then there's the warranty, uh, language around an aftermarket part impacting, uh, the bike warranty and the language prior was sort of a carte blanche, right? Hey, if you put this on there, it voids the warranty, um, FTC said that was overreaching, I agree with that, um, and I stand by that comment, um, and uh, and I'd love to debate it or discuss it with anybody in the industry that wanted to. Because I, I you know I, I haven't have worked 28 years at Harley. I, I got to know the OE side really well, and now being four years in the aftermarket, it's amazing what I what I didn't know about our business. I've learned a lot, and um, I think I've learned a lot about what the rider. Is looking for and wants. Um, I, I see, you know, what the what the authorized dealer is missing out in in some regards because of those policies. Um, and I see the volume of aftermarket products that are being sold because the rider wants it. So, yeah, I mean, I I uh, I'll go digging in some of the comments to see if I can f- and learn something new. Uh, I'm certain every uh, anytime I speak, you know, there's there's probably a mix on wh- how people like it or don't like it. Of course. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change it. I haven't changed my stance on it. I think. I think it's a good move for the rider, uh, the warranty policy change that is, and I think it's a good move for the dealer uh, if they manage it well.
1: I know we're. Um, and thank you for that, Mike. I. I, I think you know. I know you're, um, limited on time, but I, I just a couple more questions. One would be, trucks get us into that exciting. I'm sure you're already. You've already got a Vance and Hines exhaust on your personal truck I do. um i knew it uh tell us about yeah. that I, I know you're excited about that so just tell us about the you know that market
2: i'm really excited about it, john yeah i've been i've been we've been messing around with truck for a while now um, about the last year we've had a muffler in development um i've had a i've had a prototype uh on my on my f-150 for the last six or seven months it's all about the this, this play for us is all about our brand and it's all about our, uh, our customer. You know, we, we estimate we have about a million and a half Harley riders around the United States that run Vance and Heinz products on, on their bikes. And, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those riders have pickup trucks. A lot of those pickup trucks get customized with wheels, exhaust, other, other items. And so my, my bet was that, Hey, if, if the Harley rider trusts us on their Harley uh, with Vance Heinz products, if we come to market with a competent product for American-made pickup trucks, we ought to be able to get into consideration set for exhaust uh, to start with uh, around pickup trucks. Uh-huh. And so we went to the SEMA show with the expectation to kind of launch in the automotive, automotive aftermarket world. We've built the team on the side to focus on that. Uh, so we're not taking our eye off of motorcycles. In fact, we're doubling down on motorcycles. We're continuing to expand in in the ADB land. We've got a bunch of new exciting products coming around in the spring uh, in that space. Um, and we went to SEMA and you know had made a big splash. Met with a bunch of new partners and told everybody that this is our intention and and our strategy. And had really really good meetings and. Reception was really good. Uh, in fact, like you said about side by sides, a lot of people said, "Well, why didn't you guys do this a long time ago?" Um, you know, my team, my team knows they know how to make good quality exhaust systems. And again, if if somebody's interested in an American-made, you know, good quality, not a real loud truck exhaust, but a nice quality rumble, you know, Vance and Hines will be there and and ready to fulfill that need if if somebody somebody sees it. But we're excited by it. It's a, it's a new opportunity for us, um, and it's an exciting move for the brand.
0: Hey, hey Mike, just a, a little tip. You won't owe me anything for this, but as you're developing this exhaust system for pickup trucks, you may want to figure out uh, a way to make catalytic converters a little less uh, stealable. That seems to be quite a phenomenon <laughs> around here. Um, my yeah, mind- you,
2: you are, you're right about that, by the way. Uh, a few employees in our, in our own parking lot have gotten their cars, uh, catalytic converters, stole back. But, by the way, just for the record, the— the whole shot series for uh, Vance and I, Vance and I's truck exhaust is all cat-back, uh, you know, emissions compliant cat-back uh, systems focusing on, on nice quality sound uh, and, and the end treatments that you see on, on some of our best-selling motorcycle exhausts.
0: Mike, my last question that has to do with when you're conceiving products specifically for the Harley Davidson rider, what sort of, um, how do you profile that rider and, and our culture and what? that product needs to do to appeal to the Harley specific rider?
2: Yeah, great question. We spent a lot of time talking about this. You know, we have a team here at Vance Hines that goes to rallies and dealer events around the country. So, you know, we go to all the majors, you know, we go to we go to, you know, Bike Toberfest, we go to Daytona Bike Week, go to Sturgis, Arizona Bike Week, et cetera, et cetera. We go to several dealer events around the country and um, and looking to do more of that in 2023. So I've got a team here that spends a lot of time with Harley riders. And we know that the three magical pillars that the riders are always looking for, and different riders weight the elements differently, but it always comes down to sound, style, and performance. So anytime we're developing a product, uh, for any of our products, but in particular for the Harley-Davidson rider, we're looking at those three deliverables. How do we improve the sound how do we bring better style to the motorcycle? And of course, uh, we're known for performance. How do we increase the performance? Whether that's throttle response through the FP4, or that's better air intake uh, flow uh, through our new force velocity stack, or uh, the new, the real, really cool thing that we've developed here lately is we call it a PCX technology, which is a double matrix catalyst in our emissions compliant full systems which, which we've, we learned that the M8 motor really likes that, that kind of back pressure, and we've actually been able to increase torque and horsepower, especially at the low end, which is where you need it and, and feel it. Um, and, and so those three things, Mark, are what we're always trying to deliver on. It's, it's all about style, sound, and performance.
0: Thanks, Mike. I appreciate the answer.
2: Mike,
1: I know you're limited on time. We really, really appreciate it so much. Um, thanks for carving out a, a moment with us. And um, we would love to have you back at some point in time when uh, some new products launch and maybe talk about those. Um, but just want to thank you so much for, for uh, uh, you know carving out some time this morning. Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Bars Podcast, sponsored by Wilkins Harley-Davidson. Stay tuned for our next exciting podcast.
2: Check out additional information on WilkinsHarley.com.